warning! The Bone Bad Show is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Do you like zombies? Do you like horror? Do you like comic books? Do you like science fiction? Do you play video games? Then you need to listen to A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for... Daryl, are you down there? Mom! I said when the basement door is closed, then the Fortress of Solitude is off limits. Are you talking to your little friends on the computer? Mom! They're not my little friends. I'm a grown man. Okay. Well, do you want some soup? I can make a bowl of soup and a nice glass of chocolate milk. Okay. I'll be up in a minute. So check out A Little Dead Podcast on iTunes and on our website at alittledead.com. A Little Dead Podcast. Your place for full frontal nerdity. the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat! Hi, this is Jake West, the director of Doghouse, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show.
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 52 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? And it's going good. You know, I had, I had a funny thought the other day. Yeah? I was just thinking about that time when our favorite postman from New Jersey, Vaughn, yeah. called in and was, was kind of grumbling about, eh, I don't even know why people call that a horror podcast. Like, what do those guys have to do with horror? I don't know. What do we have to do with horror? Didn't we just have Stuart Gordon on the show talking about directing movies like Reanimator? Aren't we hosting a horror comedy film festival? That's true. Yeah, you know what? I think we have a little bit to do with horror. That's what I think. The festival was even mentioned on Fangoria Magazine's website. Yeah, yeah. How Has Motion Picture Massacre made it onto Fangoria? No, I don't think so. <laughs> You have to be some sort of a horror podcast to get mentioned on Fangoria, I would think. Why, why do you got to poke the mailman from New Jersey? You know he's fucking crazy to begin with. Because <laughs> I'm far enough away, I feel relatively safe doing it. Don't do this, man. After all, it was his birthday last week. Oh, hey. Happy birthday, Vaughn. Happy last birthday, week. Vaughn. Or, you know, maybe happy birthday just really early. I'd send you a birthday card, but you have to deliver it. It'd just make it more work for you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that pisses him off if, when people send him birthday cards. Yeah, what doesn't? Because then he's going to have to, yeah. It's like an extra sack of shit he has to carry around. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being a prostitute and getting sex for your birthday, that kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, some special guests in the studio tonight. Uh, this when you episode say special. You mean no, not that kind of special. Oh. Uh, we are actually previewing the Bone Bat Film Festival tonight. We're going to talk uh, with the filmmakers. We're going to also speak with the band Barefoot Barnacle, who is going to be the musical guest at the event. How's it going, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you hand the mic around and uh, tell everybody who you are and what you do in the band? I'm John. I play the drums. <laughs> I'm Doug, I play the guitar Alex on bass Jorge, guitar Oh shit In the house again, you may remember Jorge from way back in episode 11 He was the first guest we ever had on the show Exactly When he embarrassed all of us Oh yeah, I know, well, I do. I have a tendency to do that you know? <laughs> <laughs> So should I put my pants back on now? Or? No, no, god no Okay, because I no, that, that was the podcast that my mother-in-law listened to And it, it scared her so, who is that Jorge? He's he's terrible. That guy. Oh. <laughs> so he's not invited over to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, yeah. You cannot come over to Thanksgiving dinner at my in-laws' house. I'm sorry. Oh, You're man. Uninvited. Well, I heard the cookie was bad. Anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh, it's on now. I know. Who's cooks better turkey? In case my mother-in-law is listening, still. You're not supposed to listen, but uh, Thanksgiving is always good at your place. <laughs> what a kiss ass. Yeah. So, dude. I know inside my turkey's buttered on. So, dude. All right. What pisses you off? You know what pisses me off? I'll tell you what pisses me I'd off. I'd like to know. I cannot break. You put a pool table in front of me, put a bunch of pool balls out there, a cue, I cannot break. The, the worst guy in the room is me when it comes to trying to separate that little triangle of balls and make them go to all different places, preferably the holes. Nah. It's embarrassing. My wife breaks better than me all my friends break better than me i can slap that ball with all my might and i'll like knock four balls off one side and have a perfect triangle still sitting there i don't know it's embarrassing I, i've I even gone to watch youtube videos like <laughs> how to break and you see these great big fat southern boys blammo like bending the cue in half hitting the balls and they go everywhere and i imitate them no no it doesn't happen for me 
sucks. It's embarrassing. Apologies. Like half a man. Apologies to big fat southern boys that listen to this show. <laughs> That's a, actually a, a compliment to the <laughs> larger southern folk. It's a good thing down there. Oh shit. So what about you guys? You got anything that pisses you off? Come on, a, 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 a band that doesn't get annoyed. You must be. You must have something. Yeah, I got something that pisses me off. You know. Um, What's that, dude? Tell <laughs> it. All right, I'll tell it. I'll tell it now. Like subtitles, you know, on movies. But like, they just piss me off. I don't know. I hate like reading this shit. You know, and especially like when like it's in English too, and people want to watch it with like English subtitles on. Because I like what? I try. Yeah, like. Well, yeah, like, I have, like, a mail-order, like, Russian girlfriend, and she, like, and, and she, like, likes to watch it, you know, with the, with the titles on, you know? And so, anyways, it just, like, it sucks, because you can't, <laughs> you know, it's, like, hard to, like, watch a movie and read it at the same time, you, like, so you try to ignore the subtitles, but I end up just reading the whole movie, even though I can hear it and understand it. You know, it's like John like waves his weird looking balls in front of you or something. You just have to look. It's like, oh no. <laughs> so is your mail order Russian girlfriend like learning English by watching, uh, hearing it, and reading it at the same time? Well, she doesn't need to listen, even need to read it too. It's not annoying. The fucked up deal is she's learning it by watching Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that sucks is you know she'll like start like laughing before uh, punchlines of jokes are said because you can just like read ahead and shit and I'm like fuck I'm trying to ignore it but you like keep laughing through all the punchlines it never occurred to you to just read faster well I don't want to I like to, I like the, the actor's comedic timing you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an unusual problem you have right there that yeah. has never yeah, been it's all good though because then I'll just like turn the movie off uh, and I just hate fucker you know so <laughs> well, I'm just messing well <laughs> It's kind of, some say it might be vulgar, or like even rape. I don't know. <laughs> oh, damn. I just caught last week with Alex's ex-girlfriend, so... Sorry, Alex. But, uh... <laughs> anyways, that's what pisses me off, I guess. Uh, what pisses you off? People, I work retail. People. Oh, shit, I yeah. can go off okay. forever. No kidding. Yeah, I can just complain for probably the whole damn show about that, so... You know, you know what does really suck though is hemorrhoids in in real life. It does suck to have hemorrhoids. There you go. Next person. This one's probably pretty typical. Ass hair. It bugs the crap out of me. Your Sometimes own hair. Your boyfriend's. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, everyone's every man is born with a happy trail, but I have an angry trail that leads down to the forest of of madness. And sometimes, sometimes you want to look good for somebody, you know. You t- you got to get down, get get in front of the mirrors, to kind of spread your cheeks a little bit, and it's just it's just tough, you know. <laughs> oh, I formed a mental picture that I cannot burn out of my head. Yeah, you you won't be uh, getting that out of your head anytime soon, man. So glad I don't have a picture of you to look at during this podcast. <laughs> Thank God. So you know what pisses me off? What? I have a little piece from the Seattle Times. As the listeners know, I'm a big Seahawks fan. This article came out last Sunday's paper. Referee Levy admits mistakes in Super Bowl XL. Many Seahawks commended NFL referee Bill Levy, who admitted that he made officiating mistakes that impacted Seattle's 21-10 defeat in Super Bowl XL. Motherfuck! It's been three years. Can't this just die? Do they have to bring this shit up again? It's bad enough that I'm never probably going to see another Seahawks Super Bowl in my fucking lifetime. And now they have to apologize for the refs' fuck-ups that we already knew were fuck-ups? 
They just keep picking at that scab, don't they? Fuck, yeah, fuck, I saw fuck. that Super Bowl. Uh, these guys probably didn't watch it because they don't watch the football, but that was very disappointing. And to have them come out and do, yeah, we fucked up. Yeah. Because who knows, you might have won, but we fucked up. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think you would have won. We might have won, man. Three years later. Dude, Roethlisberger did not cross the fucking line. That wasn't a touchdown. So if you take that away, what did it say it was? 21-10? So then it's 14-10? It's, it's a game. Yeah, that's still you losing. Nah, fuck you. Wait, hold on. Let me do the math again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, you lose. All right. So uh, the film festival, man. We've got some big news. I don't think we knew at the last show that uh, we've got our second feature signed up. Yeah. Well, we knew it. We were just keeping it a secret. Did we know it? I don't think we knew no, it, because that was two weeks it. ago. We did we know it, yeah. Cool. So, the uh, film that you will be watching, uh, the second featured film, is The Last Lovecraft, Relic of Cthulhu from Outlaw Films, directed by Henry Sane and written and uh, also acted in by uh, Devin McGinn. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's great. I am so happy we got this film. I laughed. I, oh, God. There's there's lines in this film that you will find yourself repeating. Gordon was laughing so hard at this movie that he actually called me in the middle of it. He's like, did you watch this fucking movie yet? <laughs> it's true. I stopped the film and called Steve to make sure he stopped whatever he was doing and just got to watching the movie. Yeah, so I was... he interrupted you masturbating or what happened? <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. He does that a lot, though. That's because you masturbate are for, you know? It's kind of chronic, yeah. So that's our second feature. Yeah. And our second big announcement is that the film Get Off My Porch by director Patrick Ray has been uh, named the IndieFlix official selection for the festival. Uh, initially, we were supposed to have kind of a play-in festival, and things didn't really work out with that. So essentially, IndieFlix is sponsoring this slot on the bill for Get Off My Porch, which is a film I really kind of dig. So that's good news for us. Yeah, way to go, IndieFlix. Way to go, Get Off My Porch. So let's talk a little bit actually about the the festival nuts and bolts, uh, what to expect. So the event <laughs> you said bolts. The Big Picture Theater is in uh, Redmond Town Center in Redmond on the second floor across from Macy's. The festival is going to start at 6 p.m. Uh, I'll give you a few minutes to get seated before we uh, start into our first block of shorts, which yeah, will we need to be organized about this. People come in, buy your pizza, buy your beer, and sit down. No socializing, no talking. <laughs> want a neat and orderly transition. Don't tell fucking people what to do. What's your problem? I got a lot of problems. <laughs> got control issues. Speaking of pizza and beer, thanks to our sponsor, Mac and Jack's Brewery, we will, of course, be having a special on Mac and Jack's African Amber. It'll run you about four bucks. Also, Flying Saucer Pizza will be providing some delicious pizza, which will run you about six bucks. So, pizza and a beer for ten bucks? You can't even do that well at the regular movies. Shortly after that, we'll be running into the first block of shorts, which will feature Jones' cheap-ass prepaid legal and daycare academy, Death in Charge, Eel Girl, Murder Baby, The Horribly Slow Murder with the Extremely Inefficient Weapon, Pixels, and How My Dad Killed Dracula. Nice. Then uh, Last Lovecraft will roll right around 7 p.m., have a quick intermission at 8.20, followed by Barefoot Barnacle at 8.30. They're going to play about a half-hour set. And uh, speaking of which... Barefoot Barnacle is looking for some zombies to shamble the stage during their set. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a shit ton of prizes will be handed out. And some of those will go to the best zombies who are out there. So please take a note of that. Consider it noted. 
Then uh, prize giveaway at 9. Uh, the second block of shorts will be at 9.15. Uh, we're kicking off with the Indie Flicks pick, Get Off My Porch, followed by Santa the Fascist Years, Spider, Land of the Heads, and Treevenge. And there's going to be a couple of surprises in that block, so you don't want to miss it. Finally, uh, Doghouse will start at 10.10, and we'll have you out of there by around 11.40. After all, it is a school night, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you who don't have to work the next day and are going to PAX like Gordon and I, woot! <laughs> I'm already fired up. I mean, film festival and then PAX, that week's going to be so cool. It's going to be chock full of awesome. Yeah, and I get to hang out with my good friend Gord. Well, what's not to love, man? Nothing, nothing not to love. I'm telling you. All right, the prizes that we're going to have, uh, our sponsor Scarecrow Video fired in with a bunch of zombie DVDs we're going to be giving away. Comic Stop gave us a complete set of Watchmen bus. Nice. Uh, Games and Gizmos gave us a couple of great games. The Great Big Arkham game and Last Night on Earth, as well as a gift certificate. We're going to have passes for Stalker Farms Field of Screams. I've got a pile of CDs from Relapse, Nox Arcana, a bunch of books and DVDs. So, you know, there's a really good chance that you're going to win something just by showing up, which is a good thing. I love those odds. Yeah, that's really cool. So, well, I don't know what more there is to say, but get your tickets now, man. Get them. Also, one last note, we still have the poster contest in effect. The picture poster contest. Exactly. So take your picture uh, in front of one of our posters, which you might find anywhere around Redmond or Seattle. Email that picture to steve at bonehand.com, and we'll be doing a drawing, and one of the lucky winners will uh, get a big prize package, uh, which we will award in episode 53. So there's that. So as I mentioned before, we're going to be interviewing... Devin McGinn and Henry Sane of The Last Lovecraft in just a few minutes. And a little later in the show, we've got an interview lined up with Jake West from Doghouse. Both a lot of fun, so stick around for that. But next up, uh, we've got a little bit of listener feedback, so let's check this out. Hi, Steve. Hi, Gord. It's Skiznot and a Mupple of Muppets. And I want to talk about what pisses me off. Well, this is kind of a roundabout story, but... One day I was an hour late for work. Yes, I was. And um, it's no big deal. I can get away with that. But the thing that happened was I got on the bus, and the first thing I see is just just an incredible woman. I mean, very well dressed, beautiful, easily easily could be a model or a or a TV star, not a reality star. I mean, an actual TV, maybe soap opera. Anyway, so she was pretty. And then I saw in the back of the bus there was another gorgeous woman, and she was wearing, like, she was dressed in all white and had one of those. Like, it was like a long squ- sweater that became a skirt, and you know, that like, goes down just below like a name skirt sweater thing, and and she was wearing that uh, pantyhose and, and high heels and everything. Like, I don't see this on the bus. You don't? So, um... Yeah, I was a little bit shaken. Then I got onto the BART train. Which, uh, I went from the bus to the BART train. If you've been to San Francisco, you know the BART train. It's the monorail underground train thing. And, like, right there, when I get onto the train, there's two gorgeous women side by side chatting and, and then I look in the whole train and I, I swear there was at least a 10, a 9 two eights, 
nobody below a seven. Ten, I like numbers. Five, and number that's eight. when it occurred to me. This is what pisses me off. Hot chicks do not have to get to work on time. What? That's what it is. Because I, I don't usually go that time of day. And the women do not look like that. And, and you know what? You know what even pisses me off more? What? If I were somebody's boss and one of those women came in an hour late, two hours late, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, I probably would have said, uh, it's okay. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. But, but I would. You know, and, and then I actually was, was testing it there in my head. And the men on the bus an hour later. Were, were dressed better and looked good and some of them could have been GQ models it's just attractive people don't have to go to work on time and that pisses me off you have a strange obsession it does but and then and then to take it to another level I thought level two. maybe the reason they're so attractive is because they get another hour of sleep and maybe it's I can't ever be that attractive because they've got Maybe a whole year's worth of sleep on me, you know. I mean, I've got the bag, I got the baggy eyes, and I'm, I'm the people I get on the bus with. We look horrid. We're going to work. We're not happy, attractive people. So if I want to be a happy, attractive person, I have to start going to work late. But I'm not attractive yet. So it's it's a reverse catch twenty-two. What is that? A throw fifty-five? I don't know. Uh, what are you talking because about? I'd have to be attractive in order to get away with it, but I can't be attractive without coming into work late. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this. Way too much. Anyway, on behalf of me and my Muppets, we enjoy the Bone Bat Show. Oh, that was nice. That was really sweet. I, I was, it, I gotta say, Skiznot, well done, sir. That was That was huge. That was also like the nicest piss off I've ever heard. Yeah, that was very. He, I think Skizzlot's a polite guy, especially after you didn't pass on uh, the graphic novel from his friends last episode for me. Well, as soon as I heard it was Skizzlot, I thought, "Oh, here it comes." Yeah, he, he's he's really going to be pissed at Gord, but he wasn't at all. That was a fantastic job. So, well he done, sir. Keeps that anger inside. <laughs> I envy his bus ride. I only have crazies and drunks on my bus. <laughs> no hot chicks at all. Very rarely. Uh, that sucks, man. Go an hour later. The one, the one, the hot chick sits up front and gets stared at by all the drunks and the crazy guys. So she's already got her guard up. <laughs> you don't even have a chance, then, do you? I wouldn't even try. <laughs> all right, Gord. Uh, so you got a political rant this week? Yeah, yeah, I do. Man, I hate to keep coming back to Vaughn here, but that guy's a trailblazer, man. Yes. Oh, don't don't make me think about the angry trail, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's an angry. I don't want to think about Vaughn that, that fits. He's an angry trailblazer. Oh God! Now he asked. Angry, angry he asked about the Ground Zero Mosque, the mosque that they're building in Lower Manhattan, and I knew absolutely nothing about it. I just sort of punted because you know a mosque in Manhattan. I figure there's probably thousands of those and churches and temples and everything else. But here's the deal: I, I did find out about it because now it's in the news, and I've been thinking. And I was, I was going to tell you that putting a mosque in Lower Manhattan should be about as controversial as putting a Christian church in Oklahoma City, which was the site of a horrific bombing by a Christian identity terrorist. I was. And in case you missed my point, I was going to emphasize that not all Muslims are fanatical jihadi nutcases, just like not all Christians carry God-hate spag signs and protest funerals for soldiers. And I was going to point out that a 15-story tall building is not 
a giant building in Manhattan. And if you think that's big, then you've not been to Manhattan. And then I was going to mention that the people building the mosque already have a mosque in that neighborhood, and it's been there for years. And they're simply expanding and modernizing their facilities. I was going to say that. I was even going to say that the people who are building the mosque have worked with the FBI and the Jewish community for years for tolerance and against Islamic extremists. I was going to say that. And I was going to maybe even mention that here in America, you're allowed to build your place of worship regardless of what your religion is. I was going to point out the irony of the right-wing T-tards who insist that they be allowed to live and work and pray as they see fit without any government interference. But they're the first to go crying to the city and the state and the feds to stop a private group from building a private place of work and worship on private land. I was going to say that. But then I heard that this Islamic cultural center was going to open on 9-11, and then all bets were off. And could they possibly be more confrontational? Could they possibly be more insulting? Any more outrageous? 365 and a quarter days to pick from. That was the one they had to choose? I was in ultimate piss-off mode. When I heard that, I said things I regret, and I wrote things that I regret. I was a jackass. And then, and then, I heard that the 9-11 opening date thing was bullshit. It was a lie made up by a columnist named Pamela Geller. She's a truly insane woman who once allegedly claimed that Malcolm X was Barack Obama's dad. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to say any of that. I'm just going to tell you to check your sources, people. Otherwise, you end up looking like a jackass. And that is my political rant. Well done, sir. Why, thank you. All right, well, let's listen to a tune from the soon-to-be-released self-titled CD from Barefoot Barnacle. This is Sea Enemy.
All right, everyone, listen up. This is them again. Come from the Bone Bat Show. Put your Bone Bat ears on and uh, listen, because it's Cthulhu Town, y'all. The relic must be delivered to a descendant of H.P. Lovecraft, or all hope is lost. Uh, Nana, I'm leaving now. I'm going on an adventure with my friends. It's an adventure full of glory and danger, so I might not make it back. Just please don't say what you always say when my friends come over, that I'm fat and retarded. But that's how you look. Come on! I love you. All right, all right. This is fucking crazy, man. There's no such thing as fish people, dude. Start the car. Get the window. I'm trying to. Come on. Get up. I'm back, and joining me here in the Bone Bat studio at this time is Devin McGinn and Henry Sane of the Last Lovecraft, The Relic of Cthulhu. How you doing, gentlemen? Excellent. Uh, Thank you, brother. Good, good. Yeah. Good to be here. I got to say, I am so thrilled that we were able to have this film as part of our first Bone Bat Film Festival. It's so exciting. We are as excited to be part of the inaugural, the very first, festival for you guys how do you feel about that henry I, i'm really excited it's awesome so i've uh, i got a few friends in seattle i'm sending up that way too to wreak havoc so yeah definitely oh fantastic it, it was really cool because you know uh we uh got our screeners and gordon and i are he's in davis california i'm in seattle we we're both watching the film separately i get a call halfway through and he can't stop laughing <laughs> which is a fantastic sign for any horror comedy. I mean, you know, obviously we watched a lot of horror comedies or films that called themselves that in preparing for the festival, and it's a tough thing to pull off, and you guys did a fantastic job with it. Oh, yeah. that, thanks, Steve. Well, thank you. That's you? awesome. Um, yeah, go ahead, Hen. We actually almost teetered towards flipping the words and calling it comedy horror because there's more... You know, there's more of the of the laugh than the gore, but it's all it's all mixed as well. It's great, but thank you. It is it is tough, and I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Actually, we just had a uh, a review on Fangoria today. That was actually really it was a good review. But they were like, we don't know if it's exactly a horror movie, but it's a great comedy. So there you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know that's perfect for our festival. That's what we were looking for is something that that you know really bridges the gap nicely, and that Last Lovecraft definitely delivers. So can you guys give us, just for our listeners, just a quick little synopsis about what the movie's about? Absolutely. Um, it's a film kind of in the vein of Shaun of the Dead. You kind of have these middle-of-the-road guys, you know, bored in their job. One happens to be kind of a comic geek who's a little more schooled in, in, uh, in things like um, 
you know, horror novels and such. And uh, truly, it's all wrapped up in uh, the Cthulhu mythos, which is one of the more popular writings of kind of the really what people would a lot of people would consider the forefather of modern horror, being H.P. Lovecraft. And uh, it takes place in uh, in in modern day. This cube guy stuck in a cubicle all day finds out that. He is the last living relative of Lovecraft, and he's tasked with kind of defending this ancient relic against these cult members that are planning on bringing back this elder god to, that would wreak havoc on our world, known as uh, Cthulhu. That's the short version. How is that? That was he, great. He joins up with his with his buddy and a third buddy who's a big Cthulhu fan, and they, with all their knowledge, go and find a sea captain and fight off. Well, we don't ruin it, but magic happens. Magic up, yeah. It's kind of a horror movie. It's kind of a. It's also a buddy picture. It's kind yeah, of a it's a road little, little bit of road film. movie. That's, yeah. what I was gonna, that's actually what I was going to throw in. Yeah, it's, more, it's like a, all of that lined up with a road trip. Yeah, absolutely. I've now multiple read multiple reviews that called it the Hangover with Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good description. So, so one of the things that was really notable was the fantastic cast of the film. I mean, obviously you have Kyle Davis as Jeff, uh, yourself, Devin as Charlie, but there are p- moments where uh, Barrick Hardley as Paul kind of steals the show a little bit. Martin Starr, who's getting a ton of playing party down right now. Greg yeah, Lawrence as yeah. Captain Olaf is brilliant. Yeah, he <laughs> Captain Olaf is absolutely uh, fantastic. Props to Martin. He is a funny cat. We yeah, love him. Barrick, yeah. all right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just saying, Barrick, he's great. He's a really funny guy. Um, most people don't know this, but it was actually, we kind of did an Eddie Murphy. That was actually me and a beard, which not a lot of people know. Yeah, yeah. and he's actually he's actually Captain Olaf, too. So That's right. Just yeah, it's just a different beard. Um, no, uh, Barrick Hardley uh, was great, and so was the, the sea captain, um, Greg, just a fantastic, fantastic actor. We were, were really lucky to, to find him. He was one of the few actors that, most of the people I knew or had worked with in some capacity, either in television or something like that, but um, Captain Olaf was a, was a lucky find. He, he actually just came in and read and just knocked it out of the park. He was literally our last find. It's a hard line to do the, the old sea captain, so we, mm-hmm. he was literally the last actor we found, and we were actually doing his costume fitting as we were walking to set to start him. <laughs> that is true. Like, that is true. That's we, how last minute it was. It was pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. I think we were... <laughs> We were prepping to, I don't even know what we were going to do. We were going to use, like, some crazy old woman and put a beard on her. We had lost our minds, yeah. but he yeah. came in and saved the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, you're right, Henry, that was to the wire. That doesn't get any we were, we, were shooting, we were shooting at the cave was the first thing we shot with him, and I was like, uh, just bring whatever you can, we'll bring some stuff, we'll put it together while we walk up there. Yeah, it was that last minute, and he, he really pulled through. He's just fantastic, and definitely one of the, you know, a crowd favorite when the action figures come out he's going to be i think one of the top selling. <laughs> yeah exactly. well, it, it, it definitely looked like those scenes were a blast to film i i could definitely imagine you guys cracking up a lot they were it was uh they were, it was all great to film the, the only problem was it was about it was in february when we shot everything so it was freezing so oh really, really wearing coats. We, we were laughing our keisters off but then it was like They'd all stop and just shake, and we'd throw coats on. Literally, last every, I'd be like, okay, five, four, three, two, one, jackets off, action. It was freezing, and literally, we're shooting, and it starts raining, and then it starts hailing, and it's supposed to be sunny and in the summer. And, uh, you know, you just go with it, and Devin and Kyle just grinned and bared it. It was great. It was yeah, middle of Los Angeles, so I was saying, I think uh, Cthulhu was throwing everything he could at us, but we, we made it through. And it was a great time. I mean, we, we had a great, you know, through all the cold and everything, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, crazy things like that were around, you know, and then, uh, yeah, it was good times, and the, the whole uh, 
we shot, you know, a scene in the haunted boiler room. Mm-hmm. Some down. There's a lot of interesting. Oh yeah, that was a uh, yeah, it was haunted. We shot at this place that was an old kids. Voice. Well, it, really, it was a it was kids a were correctional facility slash prison. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, it's it's basically, but it was a prison as far as we're concerned. Yeah, and there's like literally, you could feel the ghost of beaten to hell children just, you know, all around you. It was the scariest place I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful awful. at the same time. Yeah, I'm like, so glad we found it. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you guys find that location? Oh, well, I think Ashley actually knew about that place for some reason. She set some kind of child yeah. in there. Something yeah, it was interesting. It was one of the, the rare reshoots that we had to do because we, um, we shot in a location that didn't work for a specific scene. Mm-hmm. So one of our producers right. decided to wait until we had to do reshoots to tell us about this great location. But... Yeah. <laughs> We got originally it. it was it was shot originally the scene it's the uh, the Cthulhu actually they met at a wallpaper factory that just because we knew guys who had it but it was it was really out of place but it was like I know our budget so we gotta find a better place yeah I mean there's things that aren't exciting but let me tell you wallpaper factories they are right up there with some of the more boring places you can <laughs> Well, I thought it would you know it scares the shit out of you and you laugh so it works perfect oh, there you go. it yeah. was almost. It almost worked. It almost worked, Steve. We were close. <laughs> yeah. We, we did reshoot in a, in a really fantastic location that um, anyone who sees the film still know. It'll be the Cthulhu yeah. layer. There'll be no missing it. No, the, yeah, there is no missing it. So, Henry, I've got a question for you. So, I, I was reading your bio, and I really enjoyed the fact that a bucket of pig guts has been a major component of your directing career. Oh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we used it again on this movie, too. I've learned... We, I've tried on just little things where you try to make fake cuts and use like gelatin or kind of some kind of silicone substance. But I've learned in the end just go down to the Mexican market and grab real pig intestines because nothing beats the real thing. So <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, if it was good yeah, enough for Romero, built, I guess. You built your whole career on on chorizo. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it'll be interesting to see ten years from now when you're doing the Merchant Ivory type thing, how you work the bucket of pig guts in. Kind of like Sam Raimi's car. I will, and I will, yeah. <laughs> I have faith. If anyone can do it, Henry can do it. That's right, that's right. Well, they are, uh, aren't they doing J- Jane Austen with zombies? or? Uh, they are, yeah. I've heard something about that. Sense and sensibility with zombies, I think, is what they're doing. So, yeah, that's coming out soon. So they, they beat me to it, damn it. Damn it. That's, oh, that's right, yeah. There probably will be pig guts in that. Well, you'll find something else, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Now that you've promoted... Uh, other movies. Let's get back to ours. I'm <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, Devin, our, our <laughs> listeners know uh, that we here at the Bone Batch are big fans of Lovecraft. It, actually, we interviewed director Stuart Gordon on our last episode and kind of talked about some of oh, that. Oh, excellent. But uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the film is, is the fact that, yeah, the Cthulhu mythos obviously is covered, but there's, there's tons of little winks and nods to different parts of H.P. Lovecraft's writings. There's all kinds of great geek stuff in the movie that was so much fun, and that's one of the things that really appealed to us. Uh, was that just kind of all your personal loves as you were writing, or how did all that make it into the script? Well, you know, it, it was. But when I uh, when I originally was thinking about doing something, and Henry and I were talking it over, we actually, and I tell the story every time, but we, we originally entertained the thought of doing a low-budget, serious version of At the Mountains of Madness and mm-hmm. uh, beating Del Toro to the punch because people wanted it so bad, and who knows when you know he was going to get to it. And The more we looked at it, the more we realized you know, we weren't going to be able to do justice uh, with the budget that we had, and I, I didn't want it to just be a, a bad Lovecraft movie. So that's how I ended up going. You know, I said, well, 
it's a comedy and people are having a good time, but we still respect the mythos, you know, and don't so much make fun of the mythos as, you know, the guys that are kind of stuck in the midst of it. And I loved all, I really am a big fan of all his kind of aquatic kind of, uh, since I was a kid, I loved Godzilla and all those things. So things like Cthulhu at the Mountains of Madness, um, you know, it. The it, Shadow it Over Innsmouth. All those, yeah, yeah, all those stories, uh, you know, I were, are some of my favorites. And even things like, you know, Alien, like the color out of space. So anything, anywhere I thought I could sneak something in, you know, just kind of encompassing all of his writings, I, I did. And, and uh, in fact, yeah, there's a scene where the sea captain is kind of relaying a story that happened. I think he describes the water as, you know, being the color out of space. So little things like that, I would, you know, try to nod to people that, you know, knew the mythos, you know, kind of inside and out and all his stories. Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot of fun. I enjoyed those little touches. It's great, though, like all the geek stuff you're talking about, too. It's great when you're in the theater, you'll hear people, not everyone gets everything, but you'll, the people who laugh just really love the reference. What You know, like, not everyone will get it, but it will be the strongest laugh at the strangest reference and just watching the movie it, it's great to hear that that all those little there's something for everybody kind of snuck in there so it, yeah great. yeah i agree with what you're saying i think it's great because anybody can watch it and have a great time but we you know we i think we tip our hat enough to the lovecraft baseball that you know they feel like we at least had a handle on the material to you know to the best that our budget would allow us to do <laughs> I, yeah that's absolutely true I, I felt that as i was watching it so bravo gentlemen thank you <laughs> so what's me. tell me what's next for Outlaw Films? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I know that um, you know Henry. And I certainly have hopes and would enjoy um, if this movie does well enough when it releases MPR. There's really uh, significant hope of doing a second one. It was actually kind of conceived as a trilogy, and uh, so I think that that would definitely be something in the pipe. And then you know we have a few other things that that we're working on. I, I probably can't yak about now, but the thing that I think we would see you know off the bat would definitely probably hopefully the the second film in the uh, the Lost Lovecraft series. Very cool. And, and what's great <clears throat> what's great is we're in if it times it out right we're leading up to Mountains of Madness, and then if. Guillermo does get his movie out before ours, and at least the whole world will have a reference to what we're, we're going into and have a good time to enjoy it even better. So. Yeah, sure. It'll be funny times, Mountain the Madness. Yeah. yeah. We'll say, screw you, Guillermo. Look at our movie. Yeah, go on. What do you want, James? He's a, behind you? He's, he's a genius, by the way. But yeah, he, yes. he is a genius. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We, no, we're huge fans. Huge fans. We were constantly like, how can we make all this all like Pain the Labyrinth? Oh, we don't have to. Oh, we don't have to. Dude, we just doing Pain the Labyrinth. You're out like haunting Doug Jones' trailer. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. But, uh, and there's also another uh, a little short I'm working on, which actually has Barrick in it. And we'll, it's just a short for now. We're going to hopefully get it to a, a bigger picture. We'll, uh, we'll bring in Kyle and Devin, who can be wild gypsies in it. But there's a project called Bounty Killer I'm working on. That is actually snuck into. There's about 15 references in, in Last Lovecraft of Bounty Killer within that movie. Oh, cool! Uh, there's a comic that Devin's character is working on, and they're at the comic book store. They're in the background. They're, it's just everywhere. It's in there. There's posters in his house, and so that's a little project I'm working on as well. Bounty Killer. Oh, excellent! Well, I'll have, keep an eye out for that. That's cool. All right. All right. So uh, one last question: We always ask everybody who joins us here on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you guys off? <laughs> Uh, podcast. I fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> if only that was the first time I heard that. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what I hate. The, the, the thing working on this film is I can handle a, a bad review. You know, and we, we've actually had mostly really positive press, so I can't complain too much. But 
what really pisses me off is when reviewers talk about if these guys, you know, had uh, $60 million, this movie would be great. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? No shit. I mean, right. Really? Yeah, you know, we, we, we certainly could have. So that drives me nuts, you know. And like I said, most of the press has been really positive, but that reviewer knows who they are, and they sat in an environment where it was no movie more than a million dollars could be in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, they should have known. Yeah. Well, and Shame the f- on you. Then the fact you. is that you yeah. made a brilliant movie with less than that. That is a tip of the hat to you, right? Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate thank you. that. Yeah, you are my, our favorite interviewer ever. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. We need to talk to you more often. Well, thank yeah. you, sir. Well, again, I Absolutely. just want to thank you so much for being part of the Bone Bat Film Festival. I'm super excited that we Thanks could, you know, us. be showing your film, and uh, we look forward to seeing more from your Outlaw Films. Excellent. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank thanks you. for having thank us. So it's been a pleasure, man. Oh. What did I just say? Thanks for having us? I meant thanks for having us. <laughs> I think you said thanks, thanks for that, yeah. Thank you, sir, and, uh, and, and good luck with everything. It's your, how many features are you guys showing? Two features, uh, about 100 minutes of shorts, and a half wow. hour of live music. Excellent. Yeah, Very like cool. One night bonanza, right? Yeah, it's it's everything we can pack into six hours. So wow, it's awesome. very cool. Yeah, I was like, I was like, how are they going to do this all in over a couple of days? And I was like, oh, they're doing it in one day. Okay, awesome. <laughs> they're masters, Henry. They're masters of the game. Your butt. Yeah. Oh, thank you very, very much. Good. All right, Steve, you be safe, my friend, and uh, yeah, show us how it's done. Look forward to it. Will do, yeah. sir. Steve? I'm bored. Me too. What do you want to do?
I know a toast film festival. What are you, high or only seven? 35 years in the making. It's the Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Thursday, September 2nd at the Big Picture Theater in Redmond, Washington. Two features, tons of shorts, and live music from Seattle's own Barefoot Barnacle. Hosted by Stephen Gord of The Bone Bat Show. The festival sponsored by Mac and Jack's Brewery, Flying Saucer Pizza, Scarecrow Video, Comic Stop, Games and Gizmos, GT Printing Equipment, Stalker Farms, Field of Screens, and Indie Flicks. Tickets are $24 in advance or $28 after August 13th. The big picture is a 21 and over theater. Go to www.bonehand.com to get your tickets today. This is going to be huge, just like my wiener. Totally, but dude, you know it really pisses me off. The Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. You get the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Right, and that last one was severe anal regurgitation by Barefoot Barnacle. So let's talk a little bit about the band, guys. How'd you get started? Doug was in a band called Muddlehead, and he was a singer. And Alex played bass in, in a band called Suffix. And then uh, my, my friend Eric, I wanted to like do something different. And he was like, oh, I, some, I know this guitar player who wants to do the same thing. And so we like met Nate Ivers. <laughs> and then, like, so you, you like chatted over clams and, yeah. and this merger and was we formed were clams too <laughs> well that was our day but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and then uh so we met up and then the three of us we needed a drummer and i've known john since since like high school and stuff and so we used to jam back in the day and play like all kinds of stuff and so, have gay sex yeah and you know and he's actually wearing a gay sex t-shirt too which I gave to him. Oddly appropriate. While, while I was riding on the back of his bike to own the way here. Yeah. Groping his boobs, of course. <laughs> I told him to hold on, and he just kept, like, tickling my nipples. I was like, no, not there. Like, you know, well, like, on my balls, you know. <laughs> so we like each other. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know, he came in and started drumming, and then that's, like, how it happened, you know. <laughs> We actually originally, uh, from my the band that I was in, Suffix, we had a singer initially, and uh, after two, a song and a half, or was it two songs and a half? Or, it was like one song. It was like a song and a half. <laughs> he uh, ended up moving back to Phoenix, uh, where I came from, and uh, that's how it came instrumental, and just kind of stayed that way from there. So, so that wasn't planned, then? The, the no. instrumental no. thing kind of came after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we looked for a singer for a while, tried out, I, I don't know how many people. And had... That's a horrible people. <laughs> so, 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 many, yeah. so many we gave up. We yeah. said, fuck it. There were, there were a couple guys that we had a, a second or a third time, but no one that was good enough, and there were some really bad ones that, well, I don't even know why they even came out, but, you know, it happens. Yeah, they would, like, sit there and not even do one thing, and just, like, sit in the corner, like, they're having a seizure. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, I thought you could, like... Oh, I'm just like trying to think. I'm just thinking. It's like just yeah. <laughs> One guy tried to sing like an emo band, and uh, yeah, we couldn't even hear him. But I know what it sounded bad. 
how did the songwriting happen? Do you guys work together? Do each of you write songs individually? Or how does that work? A little of all. Mainly, uh, we all come up with various things, but uh, Doug comes up with a lot of the ideas that we come off of, Doug and John. And I write my bass basically to them with their input, of course. A couple of things I've written by, by Jorge, something written by Doug, but it's kind of a collaboration. Very cool. So you guys finally are going to put a CD out. I mean, I know I've been bugging Jorge for fucking years. Like, when are you guys going to have a CD out? It's been six years. It's always like, oh, like a few months, you know. Yeah, I, I used to work with Jorge, and so he would, you know, I, I heard he was in a band. So well, let me hear your stuff. And so, you know, give me a kind of a song every once in a while. Like, oh, here's, this is beer and lotion. But check it out. Oh, that's badass. Like, I hear more of that? Yeah, no, fuck you. And so oh, yeah. then a couple years later, okay, here's severe anal regurgitation. Oh, that's great. You gonna have more of that? When are you guys gonna do CD? Ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> we have like so many songs recorded, like that aren't even coming on the CD, but we just don't let anybody listen to them because we gotta make sure they're perfect, you know. So you guys <laughs> truly are perfectionists. Yeah. Cool. We try to be. Yeah, we try. We're lazy perfectionists. Cool. Well, it's up. To, in my opinion, is it sounds like nothing. If you if it's not right, it doesn't sound. You can't make sense of what it is. So there's no point in putting it out. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing the final product. I've been, you know, enjoying your stuff for a long time. You guys have been, this will be the fourth time your music's been played on the show because we even did, like, the click tracks behind our video game episode. Oh, really? Yeah, it was fucking great because it sounds like Death Metal Mario. It's badass shit. Yeah, MIDI fucking brutal guitar shit. You know? <laughs> right, yeah, and I mean, you guys uh, were the first band that we had on the show, too, so... Yeah, and I really appreciate the fact that you're going to be playing at the Film Fest with us. Oh, that's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think you guys are going to add a lot to that event. Film festivals happen all the time, but to have a live musical act there at the same time, and also a band that's, i got to say, pretty fucking unique, I, I really appreciate it, and that's a cool thing. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be cool to have zombies just, like, come out of everywhere and start attacking all the, you know, the people that, while we play. That's you know? a good fucking idea. Maybe we can Attack get some everybody. people dressed up to fucking zombie walk while you guys are playing. That would be badass. So you don't even know what your set list is going to be for the film festival? No. no. <laughs> lazy perfectionist. <laughs> Hence the what? Six years to six the Six years, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, what do you guys want to hear next? Beer in lotion? Sweet. <laughs> this... <laughs> so where, where did the title Beer and Lotion come from? Me and John were in a Fred Myers one day and he just got a tattoo and we were getting beer for band practice and Beer and Lotion became the title. <laughs> we were two dudes checking out at the checkout stand getting beer and lotion. We thought it was kind of a weird situation. <laughs> <laughs> Too cool. Here it is. Beer and Lotion.
in the doghouse. Bastard. Bastard. But this weekend... This is the plan. They're getting away from it all. First thing we do when we get in the country, we're going to piss up all the trees. We're going to mark our territory. We're going to drink till we've forgotten how to speak. Well, Mikey reckons the women outnumber the men four to one. We're in the middle of nowhere. Please tell me you took a wrong turn. 300 miles from London, the only person we see selling a big issue. Hello? It's not evil death, those things with the claws and the teeth. Where did all the men go? <laughs> Sound like a dolphin. What you boys have actually created here is an army of pissed off, man hating cannibals. Me and you, watching Sundance. They both died. Come and have a nibble. You know you want it. That's my man. We're gonna go down there and bash the living shit out of anything in a dress. Bloody hell, Vince. Not very PC, is it? <laughs> so sexy, do you know that? Why don't we forget about all this? This finger food. All right, once again, that was Barefoot Barnacle. I hope you enjoyed that. And now, joining us on the phone, director Jake West of doghouse how you doing man yeah i'm doing really well um i'm up kind of late here because i'm actually editing a documentary project so it's like 2 30 in the morning well <laughs> thank you so much for staying up to talk to us uh you know oh, no, it's, it's okay i've been going to my average bedtime now is like <laughs> 6 15 a.m holy smokes wow <laughs> See, it's like 6 15 p.m my time but i'm still in my yeah. underwear i don't have an excuse <laughs> You Very should do cool. something about that, man. This is but, my underwear this time. So I got to tell you, I mean, Doghouse is one of the featured films of the very first Bone Bat Film Festival. We are so excited that your film's going to be a part of it. Uh, when I first saw the film, I was just like, fuck yes, this is the perfect movie for this festival. Tell me how the film came about a little bit. The film came about um, via me becoming friends with the comic book creator, writer, artist, Dan Schaefer. Um, I don't know if you know Dan, but he's got he's done some great comic books. Um, he did a series called Dog Witch. He did a one-off graphic novel called The Scribbler. He did something called Indigo Vertigo. Beautiful artwork, and I, I love his sense of humor and his writing. Um, so I was a big fan of his comics, and I, I got to meet him for a friend, and we just became mates. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were discussing doing a project. You know, it took us about a year or so of just just sort of thinking, yeah, it'd be great to do something, but we couldn't we couldn't hit on the right thing. Um, but then one, one time his girlfriend was really sick. You know, she came down with flu and uh, she reminded him of a zombie <laughs> shuffling around the house. And uh, he thought, ah, oh, that would be a good angle, you know, like a, a, a virus that just infects one half of the population, you know, so we could have like a gender specific kind of battle of sexes style subtext to the whole thing. And we just loved that idea. And that's how it was born. It is a great idea because, as you know, there are so many zombie films that come out these days. It's really tough to kind of set yourself apart. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, the thing is, is that we didn't want to do just another zombie film or just another kind of horror. So it was it was trying to latch onto a concept, even though it's very familiar in terms of the zombie sort of comedy genre. The thing is, is to have something slightly different to hook it on. And, and we thought, hold on, we can't think of anyone that's done this where the virus only affects 
you know, one gender. And we thought that was a really, a really interesting spin. So we thought we'll run with this. It's going to work. It absolutely works. Can you give a, our listeners a quick synopsis of what the film's about? The synopsis is about is if, if any guy out there has ever been in trouble with his girlfriend or his wife, do you guys have the term out there, being in the doghouse? Absolutely. Like basically, yeah. basically, if you're in trouble with your, your other half, you get put in the doghouse, and that's a, that's a bad place to be most of the time for us guys. So you tend to hook up with your mates and you try and cheer yourself up. So the lead character of Doghouse is a chap called Vince, and he's just gone through a messy divorce. And his mates decide to cheer him up by taking him off on a little trip to a little town where the women outnumbered the men four to one, thinking that he could pull a few birds. <laughs> and this is to prove to him that not all women are, out, women are out to get him, you know, sort of get his mojo back on. But unfortunately, they turn up to this town where this viral infection has kicked in and all the women are out to get them, all of them, and eat them. <laughs> so it kind of backfires. <laughs> Most literally. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of setup. <laughs> So there, there's so much great stuff about Doghouse. It's kind of you know hard to even talk about all of it. Uh, one thing that you guys did great, totally distinctive zombies. You did kind yeah, of well, a mix of zombies as well as a little bit of slasher mixed in with it that works just really well. It's funny. It's scary. It works. You've got a fantastic cast with uh, Danny Dyer from Severance, Stephen Graham yep. from Snatch, and Noah Clark from Doctor Who. And then That's right. the music is brilliant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, we, we, like I say, the, the original score by Richard Wells is fantastic. And um, he actually mixed that out in Los Angeles uh, with a post-producer, a guy called Mark Curry, who did the, uh, the mixing on the score of Sin City. So we spent a lot of time on the soundtrack trying to get that right. And we've got some really good songs in there as well. We've got the horrors. Uh, we've got Spaced. We, so there's some, really nice, there's some really nice things in there. In terms of the zombies, because Dan comes from the comic book world, we spent a lot of time designing the look of each zombie to make them distinctive so we wanted to give each of the zombie women an identity of their own um, and we did a lot of concept drawings with another comic book artist a guy called james ryman and there's some really beautiful sort of pre-production art that we produced so that we could take that to our our makeup guy and get them to recreate that comic book look because it's a comic book world and they are kind of comic characters so that's what we were going for, and that's what we were trying to do with the lighting and the whole look of everybody. I've so yeah, and it was wonder some of that wonderful art. to work with those actors. Absolutely amazing cast. I was really chuffed to get them. I've seen uh, some of that art online, and it's fantastic. Yeah, and like I say, that was our that was our bedrock. We really did want to make a comic book feeling type of film, and it's it's interesting. People who have got that comic book sensibility recognize that, like you guys. Sometimes people say, oh, it's not very realistic. And it's kind of like, well, you know, these are fucking zombie women. You don't really get that in real life. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, and uh, actually, Emily Booth won the award for a best zombie from our friends at Mail Order Zombie in their Dead Letter Awards last year. Oh, fantastic. She'll be delighted to hear that. I'm yeah. seeing her on Wednesday. She'd be delighted about that. She, she loved playing the snipper. She really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. One of the things I absolutely loved about the movie was the fact that all the all these guys were in trouble with their girlfriends, and one of the guys' girlfriends was a boy. I, I just <laughs> yeah, thought right, that yeah. that was a really cool take on just a nice little twist on the whole thing. Was I, now I didn't read the comic book. Was that something you guys put in, or was that in the comic book to start with? No, no, no. Sorry. Um, even though Dan Schaefer, who wrote the script, comes from comic books, this wasn't a oh. comic book. This was an original script. Okay, good. Because yeah, I thought did, I missed did, the comic when I'm talking. Sorry, to you. no. He, yeah, he did. He did a comic called Dog Witch, which is. Uh, about a kind of, you know, gothic witch woman who is a very cool character. But no, it's, Doghouse was a completely original script. It was his first produced screenplay. So, gotcha. um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was his first stab at it, yeah. But yeah, no, we wanted to create this idea that this bunch of friends in 
in many ways because as, as, as you get a bit older you tend to find that you know your friends go in maybe slightly different directions to how you were when you were younger so we wanted that idea that you have this group of mates who have gone in different on different pathways and each of those guys was designed to sort of represent a different aspect of the male psyche in the same way that the zombie women were designed as metaphors of male fears like the the yeah. bride <laughs> represents fear of marriage the the snipper re- the represents snipper. Castra- castration anxiety uh, and it's un- it's unfortunate because in the uk the there was a prologue sequence which i shot and finished which was fantastic and you see the snipper actually castrate somebody but uh sony really didn't like it and they they wanted us to take that intro out so the the film is missing a, a few sequences which unfortunately still haven't been seen by anybody <laughs> been snipped yeah they've been snipped you know they kind of castrated the castration which was a bit ironic <laughs> but so, because sometimes people go you know why is a hairdresser threatening because the, the idea well she uses those scissors to cut off your bollocks but that didn't quite come across <laughs> oh, it came across pretty well <laughs> oh good okay that's yeah, cool no, but it was a lot more explicit know. in the original version <laughs> I got the message good oh good excellent she wasn't just out to cut your hair <laughs> <laughs> alright man so, well, what are you working on next well, I'm just finishing off a documentary project about the video nasty scare of the 1980s. I don't know if you know about that. Absolutely, Bre- yeah. You do? Yeah, because in Britain we had this, uh, it, it was deemed that these horror films like, you know, Last House on the Left and Nice Put in Your Grave and Evil Dead were going to yeah. turn everybody into serial killers and the government wanted them banned. So um, it was a big furore which kicked off from the, the early 80s to the mid 80s. And uh, I'm doing a documentary which is all about that period of film. Um, and we're, we're screening it at Frightfest in Leicester Square on the 30th of August. That's why I'm sort of up so late editing, frantically getting it finished. Excellent. What's the title of the film so we can watch for it? Um, it's a documentary and it's called Video Nasties, Moral Panic, Censorship and Videotape. <laughs> <laughs> Are you competing with your friend for the longest title of a film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not quite, it's not quite with Richard. And, if, and that's going to be released on a free disc um, DVD collection set we're just in the UK, about called Video Nasties, The Definitive Guide. And that's like got free disc and it's got all of the trailers for all of the different films on there with bespoke introductions. But the documentary is going to be about 70 minutes long. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I'm going to have so, to, um, I, I hope I it makes it over here eventually. Or not, but we'll see. Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's always the thing. I know Dead Set still isn't over here and that's a fantastic yeah. series. So what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, amazing. Dead Set's brilliant, yeah. Um, Andy Andy Nyman, actually, the producer guy in Dead Set, the guy who shits in the bucket. Yeah, he's in he's in the documentary, in fact. And I've I've got like interviews with Neil Marshall, the director of The Descent. I've and Dog Smith. Soldiers, awesome yeah, film. Yeah, I've got Chris Smith from Severance. Um, we've got a, a bunch of film journalists like Alan Jones and Kim Newman. We've got politicians, Graham Bright. We've got people from the obscene publication squad from the piece i mean it's a big it's a big thing it's really cool so i mean if do you think in the states people would be interested in that though because, because well yeah because that that happens in western democracies over here in the states we went through a big thing where gangster rap was going to turn everyone into a a crack uh, smoking gangster criminal and, yep, and but- tipper gore one time was going after rock and roll because it was going to uh, cause us all to become immoral. And down yeah, in Australia, uh, yeah, we they have... go after video games because they're right, yeah. they're too violent. Yeah. So yeah, there, I think there's we'll... always yeah, there's, there's always these moral panics that kick off, and right. it, this was just a big one. But because it it kind of really centered on horror, it just seems like a, a, it's a, such a fascinating period of history, and we just wanted to have a, another look at it just to sort of put it in perspective for today's generation. Well, in these days, I mean, horror podcasts and, uh, you know, horror magazines and whatnot use that as a who's to of what to watch next. 
Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, it, they created a, they created a must see list of horror films. They absolutely did in the eighties, yeah. which is what we grew up on. And you know, it's kind of funny because all the directors working in the UK all of like people like Chris and Neil. I mean, we all grew up with those movies, and we we're influenced by them, and we wanted. To, they're responsible for the kind of movies we make, really. <laughs> yeah, it's you know that's the seminal work that all of us, I think, you know, you start seeing on video, and it grew from yeah. there. Yeah, well, that was why. That's why, in a sense, it was a great kind of you know sort of fuck you to the establishment because they kind of basically said these things are going to turn you into serial killers, but in the end, we turned into horror filmmakers. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a cool irony, I think. Perfect. All right. So, one question we always ask everybody who joins us on the Bone Bat Show: What pisses you off, man? <laughs> what What pisses me off is actually censors. It is actually people who want to like the MPAA or the BBFC in the UK, people who cut horror movies and because they think adults aren't responsible enough to, to watch them. <laughs> you know, so therefore you end up with all this homogenized kind of bullshit a lot of the time and you have to dance, jump for a lot of hoops. And I think it's responsible for dumbing down and sort of stopping more interesting work from happening a lot of the time because studios tend to want the, the directors to deliver like 15 versions. You know, horror seems to be getting watered down a bit. And any time anyone does anything strong, you know, if, you, if it runs into trouble, if it's going to be unrated, she can't screen at any at any cinemas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people, yeah, censors, they fuck me off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is the answer to that? Is that like a director's cut on DVD, or or, or how do you kind of? You know, well, it, well, make that well, work in, at the in, end of the in day. In the US, the, the one good thing that you guys have is that on DVD, you're allowed to release things unrated. It's just in the cinema that you have a problem in the right. US. Oh, and you can't do that in the UK. In the UK, you have to have things certified for for video as well as for cinema. So, whatever the rating you tend to get for is, is what you're stuck with. And if it's deemed to be a problem, then you're not necessarily going to be able to release it uncut. Is, which is wow. So, so do you have to so go to Amsterdam or something to put out the director's cut? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, often you, you often you, if you do a director's cut, if it's got material in it which they deem to be too strong, then yeah, you, in in the states you'd be able to release it. But in the UK, that's why a lot of people import discs still in the UK. You know, we we order a lot of stuff from the states because you can get better unrated versions of the films normally. Um, <laughs> that's funny. But, it, but it depends. It depends on the film, obviously. I mean, I'm not saying that all right. of my my work has been cut, but. Sometimes you've got this kind of like assholes that you have to deal with about getting an age rating on your film. And, you know, like Evil Aliens, I run into a problem because of the anal probing scene. They got upset with that. <laughs> and I thought it was perfectly Personally, I don't thing. see how you can do a film about aliens and not have an anal probe at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, have you seen have you seen it? Yeah. No, no, but now I'm going to. Okay, we'll check it out. Evil Aliens It's in the opening two minutes. <laughs> You'll like it. And was that your first film? No, that was my um, second film. Okay, the first one then was Razorblade Smile? Razorblade Smile was my first one, okay, yeah, which was ultra-low budget. We shot that for £20,000, so that was made for, you know, fumes. <laughs> cool, but, so, um, yeah. so Evil yeah, Aliens so and Razorblade Smile, a couple of things for our listeners to check out. Go check cool. them out. Yeah, well, I think your listeners, if they like Doghouse, then they should check out Evil Aliens. That's really, that's my most splatter splatterific <laughs> film i mean that's my that's my love letter to peter jackson and sam raimi that's that's the one which is balls to the wall which doesn't give a shit about anything it's completely immature that one excellent <laughs> kind of like steve yeah there you go. <laughs> steve you'll love it oh uh, yeah i love me some splatter so that's true yeah check it out <laughs> i mean in fact in the states you can get it on blu-ray and you can't get it in blu-ray anywhere else only in the U.S. can you get it in Blu-ray. Like, God, it's good being a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time uh, speaking with us tonight. 
Hey, you're welcome, and I, I, I really hope that your viewers um, dig Doghouse when they get to see it at the fest, and I wish you guys all of the best of it. It sounds like a fantastic festival with an amazing lineup, and I just wish I lived in the States. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, man. Excellent. Cheers, then. tune was against the crooked sky once again from the debut album from barefoot barnacle ask for it by name right ask for it by name yeah, yeah, yes, yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> you probably won't get it if you don't yes that's the only way all right and thank you to ask jake for it by scent no by color no wait what the fuck steve by flavor <laughs> by what name yeah that yeah we'll take name that was a riff on steve albini remember the song's called songs about fucking Ask for it by name, loudly. Anyway. All right, so thanks to <laughs> thanks to Jake West for the interview. Uh, we are so looking forward to seeing Doghouse, another film that we couldn't wait to finish watching before I called Gord this time and said, Dude, have you seen this movie yet? It's true, you did. What it's, is it with the British and the dog? They got all these expressions for with dog in it. When, it, when we were talking to them. He did the Dog Witch comic, and then there's Dog House. Dog they soldiers. say something's gross. They say it's the dog's breakfast. Yeah, what? I don't know. Maybe they have a uh, affinity for the canine. Yeah, I guess so. So, multimedia triage. Multimedia triage. So what do you guys, why don't we talk to the band a little bit? What are you guys uh, listening to, checking out this week? You seen any movies lately? What's good? I went and saw Dinner for Schmucks. I didn't think it was going to be that great, Dinner and it was pretty Schmucks. good. You know, that's funny, because Gord was going to talk about it as well. We yeah. saw that last week. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting much, and I was impressed. It wasn't, like, amazing, but it was pretty good. No, but it was better than you thought it was going to be, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. It was, that's all I have to say. Better than I thought. The, was, and I, I laughed. I mean, you know, I, I came out of there, and, like, my face kind of hurt from smiling so much. Because yeah, yeah, it yeah. started, and you just kept going, and you just kept being funny. Well, the funny thing was, like, it, it was a movie that fun. we totally settled on, because I wanted to go see Inception. We're like an old fucking married couple. I wanted to go see Inception, and Gordon wanted to go see uh, Salt. Eat, Love, Prey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Eat, Love. He wanted to see Eat, Love, Prey. And so we're like, oh, fuck it. We'll go see Dinner for Schmucks. And it, it was one of those movies that just kept stepping up the insanity until by the end, you couldn't get, this movie couldn't get any fucking crazier than it is. And it did, and it pulled it off. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was, yeah. Was and I gotta say, Zach Galifianakis kind of fucking stole Dude, that movie. The laugh, the... <laughs> I, I can't even do it. That, that's, I don't even know how to describe it. His, his whole mind control thing. 
And then brain control. Yes. That I, I had no control. idea, but brain control trumps mind control. I had no idea. Dude, hands down. Yeah, so it, it was an excellent film. And I, yes. well, like I said, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was either. Yeah, kind of same story. We're going to see Inception. It was 10, 1030 at night. Didn't want to be up till 1 in the morning at a movie. <laughs> yeah. So I went to dinner for Schmucks instead. Yeah. Shit, well, I know that Cephalic's coming out with an album in like a week. Yeah, misled so. by certainty, man. Yeah, so... I actually have a, the first single off of it. I'm going to be playing on the next ha- heavy half hour. Oh, nice. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but, like, really, like, I've been listening to uh, the new Tony Danza. It's pretty badass. But only the thing is that sucks, it's almost like a Tony Danza cover band because the only original member is the singer. And, like, oh, he wasn't even a, an original member, really, so I don't well, know. Well, isn't that, that how Dillinger's Escape Plan is now? And you still dig down. <laughs> no, but Dillinger, they still got the same guitar player. Yeah, but it's the, <laughs> just the guitar player, isn't it? There's nobody well, yeah. else in the band who is But he's, there. like, the main writer, though. But, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a I'm not singer. trying to fuck with that. No, I'm just I hate singers, you know? No, I'm just <laughs> We're anti-singer, remember? <laughs> That's right. So fuck Greg Pucciato. I've been listening to the new Deftones album a lot lately. It's actually pretty good. Really? I didn't like the last one, Saturday Night Wrist, but I like this one, Diamond Eyes. I don't they, know. They've, always... I, I, they've been my favorite band for, since I was like 15 years old, so oh, what wow, can I say? Okay. Yeah, they've always been a band that I never got into because they, they did have like kind of a softer side to them that I could never get my head around, really. See, I, I like Portishead, and I like the softer stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So... I like that. I even like uh, about half of what Team Sleep does. That's Tina's other band. What about you, John? You got anything? Um, you know, I've actually been listening to a lot of Between the Barrier to Me. I really d- dig The Great Misdirect. It's been in my car for a while now. That Their uh, third CD? <sighs> Second it's third. like five, six. Oh, wow. Did that mean? Huh, okay. It is, yeah. Fuck, I don't think I... They do a good cover of uh, Queen's Bicycle Race. It's pretty oh. good. Check it out. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't think I've heard anything of theirs since Alaska. So. Yeah, they've had like... I think like three albums wow. since then. So. It's been a while then. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely what I advise. Colors and the Great Misdirect are completely different. I, I think it's so much Colors more. is the one that has kind of the Pink Floyd vibe to it. Is that the one? Uh, as far as artwork is concerned, I wouldn't call it a Pink Floyd vibe, though. It's an album. Like, the last two have not been just a compilation of songs. They, they write, like, you have to almost listen to it from start to back. You can't just, like, put on track five. I don't know. That's kind of what I think, at least. It's it's genius in my opinion because because of the way it is written, it's it's just a beautifully written CD, and they obviously put a lot of work towards it. I'll agree. <laughs> you know, uh, I was playing Mass Effect quite a bit, <laughs> but then the other night I was playing for like a solid hour, and there was no gunfight, there was no car chase or space battle or anything. It was just like conversation trees and. Walking around, and that I've, I've decided that I'm. I think I'm done with Mass Effect. Well, it's that kind of game. I mean, you know, you, you sometimes have to put down Left 4 Dead or whatever and play something a little different. Yeah, well, I did, and I'm gonna go back and play games where I get to shoot people and drive around and do exciting things. A game that's mostly you talking to other people. I, I talk to other people in real life. <laughs> You're very much about the money shot, aren't you? <laughs> all about Are it. Are we all? <laughs> I just finished reading uh, Nemesis, which is the next book, or the most current book in the Horus Heresy series. It was pretty fun. I wish they'd get back on the whole big picture issue of Horus and the Emperor finally coming together for their battle, and seeing how the the universe is shaping up between the forces of chaos and the the Emperor's, uh, you know, Terran Empire, but... Nemesis was another one of those books where 
it just it happens in that universe but it doesn't really advance that overall big plot much it's an about about an assassination team that's sent to um, assassinate Horus and at the same time uh, the forces of chaos are preparing their assassin to, to go after the emperor so that's it in, in a nutshell it's a peek at the battle between uh, the emperor and, and Horus as it shapes up if you're reading the series, read that book. You'll like it. If you're just thinking about getting into the series, don't read that book. Start at the beginning. So this one's James Swallow, right? How is uh, how is yeah, his he's, writing? He's the weakest I mean, in that that yeah, whole that's cadre of writers, I think. There are some of them that I've kind of avoided because Abnet rules all. Yeah, he's great. So you, yeah, you read anything by Dan Abnet, then uh, I think McNeil's pretty good. There's yep. a couple of the other guys that are good, and Swallow's been kind of. Uh, didn't he do a Flight of the Eisenstadt he or whatever did, it was? That's right. And that and book that, was kind of that mediocre. That was the weakest one in the series. Yeah, so. Yeah, Swallow, I don't know. Spit. <laughs> James always does swallow, though, according to John. So. All right, well, let's see. What have I got here? So I've been, uh, graphic novel-wise, I've been reading Ex Machina by Brian K. Vaughn. Have, oh, you, have you seen that? That's a really cool series. I got the deluxe editions, and it's a, a series about this guy who can't really recall as an engineer of some sort. He gets a hold of this alien artifact that explodes on him, and it gives him the power to speak to machines. And so he That's... spends a couple of years as like a vigilante superhero, and he decides that he's just going to get sued, and there's nothing good's going to come out of it. So he runs for mayor of New York City, and he wins. And so it's it's kind of a because like, he could manipulate all the voting machines, right? No, it, actually he didn't. It was all based on like kind of celebrity, the same sort of thing that gets an Arnold Schwarzenegger elected. Gotcha. Yeah, and so and it's interesting because he has like these kind of villains and and supernatural shit come up against him, but it's almost not as interesting as the city that he's running and the things he has to deal with with that. And so it's a really interesting series. I definitely suggest checking it out. Uh, what else? I've been playing uh, recently. Uh, my good friend Liam passed on a copy of Alan Wake for Xbox 360. Yeah, which is a kind of a cool game. It's a uh, this sort of Stephen King writer goes to this island to get away and, and do some writing. And Ooh, instead of a conversation game, it's a writing game. You just get more and more excited. Yeah, it's so, so, so basically his wife gets snatched up by these evil shadows. And so he runs around in the dark with a flashlight and a gun. And you end up shooting these like psycho crazy killers, axe murderers. You have to like blow the shadow off of them with the flashlight and so that you can shoot him in the head with a gun. And so there's a lot of running around in the dark in the woods shooting people with axes. So it's, it's kind of one note so far, but it's sort of interesting. I'm, I've only played it for about an hour, but it's kind of fun. Red All right. Dead, Red Dead Redemption, pretty good. Oh, I've heard great stuff about that. That's one of the next ones on my list. You get to go hunting out in the desert and kill all kinds of animals and skin them. But isn't the cool thing about that, it's like fairly open sandbox, right? So there's like, you can mine for, you can find gold, you can... I haven't mined any gold yet. I went yeah, out there for like two weeks. I don't know about that. There's just, there, there is a mine I went to, but I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, there's like different spots where like people have died and left gold stashes. And so there's like ten achievements or something for finding gold. There's a bunch of secret achievements on there that yeah. you, you have to unlock them before you know what the hell you unlocked. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's supposed to be great stuff. A lot of the people it's that we cool. know, Brother D and Miss Bren from Mail Order Zombie are playing it. And... Uh, Brian from Drunken Zombies playing it. A lot of the other fo fellow podcasting folks are playing it and just love it. It just—it's all around a cool game. It's, so uh, does, does it have a historical slant to it? Like, do you run up against like Billy the Kid and people like that in the game? Uh, no one so far, at least like that. There was a guy 
Lance something or uh, Armstrong. <laughs> no, no, no. Speaking of him, wasn't he gay? Then he was married to Cheryl Crow or something like that. Anyway, I haven't come across well, anyone that, that memorable as Billy the Kid yet, at least yet. But I'm still only about halfway through the game, so I don't know. Maybe there is. Cool. Well, that yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that'd be cool if they kind of work that in just subtly. Yeah, yeah. If every once in a while you bump up against it, it, like you know Wild Bill Hickok. It is fairly like accurate in the sense where you're in the desert. And there's different types of desert to where they'll have like the Sonoran Desert and the different types where the, like the, the vegetation high, will high chaparral or whatever. Yeah, like I'm from Arizona, so I know that only. Arizona and Sonoran Desert has the saguaro cactus, so they have only certain areas with the saguaro cactus. It just, that caught my eye at least. There's a song from Reverend Horton Heat called There Ain't No Saguaro in Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you see it in all the Hollywood movies, but yeah, it yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, Cool. Well, yeah, that's definitely a game I've been meaning to check out. Let's see, what else? So, uh, have any of you guys seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yet, the movie? I shelved a bunch of books, and it was <laughs> annoying. Yeah, we sold a lot at work, but uh, actually it's uh, streaming on Netflix right now, and we watched it the other night. It's a very cool movie, very bleak, very fascinating, and really rapey. There's a lot of rape, isn't there? I had no idea that there was that much rape going on in Sweden, but that is a rapey (laughs) fucking movie. Holy shit. All right, maybe you should go to Sweden. (laughs) I'm sure if he wants to get raped, Steve will take care of it. (laughs) Oh, shit. And then uh, finally, I'd like to talk about the new Iron Maiden. CD, oh which God. just came out today. Final Frontier. So I've been a Maiden fan since way the fuck back. Gordon knows this. You've been annoying For me many, with many Maiden years, since right. God knows But the, the interesting thing about Maiden is I've been listening to them ever since uh, Number of the Beast was out. Big fan of their shit. Their first four, first five, six albums like were the bedrock of my high school years. And then, So I, I still buy their CDs, but out of the last six or seven... I listen to maybe Brave New World every once in a while. Uh, that's kind of how I assess Maiden CDs anymore, is by, you know, do, are they replayable? And the last one, A Matter of Life and Death, I listened to for maybe the first week after I bought it, and then I didn't touch it again until this week when uh, I was kind of prepping for this, and I, I put it on again, and you know, it wasn't half bad. I really enjoy listening to it, but it wasn't good enough to, to where, wow, that one fucking song is really good. I'm going to go back and hear it. The thing about Maiden for me, the, the stuff that you want with Maiden, kind of cool, sprawling, epic, literary sort of songs, the galloping bass of Steve Harris, and really strong choruses. And, you know, the, the later stuff has not had it. This one is kind of interesting because it's this, this sort of, it's called Final Frontier, the whole space theme to it, and it's kind of like fucking Iron Maiden's Major Tom or something. And, you know, it's cool so far. I'm really enjoying it. The first single, El Dorado, I wasn't super impressed with at first, but it's kind of grown on me. Uh, They would release that one early that you could uh, listen to for free online. Coming Home is pretty cool. That's the one that's sort of Major Tom-esque. It reminds you, you know, you're thinking of Bowie a little bit when you listen to it, which is odd coming from Iron Maiden, but it's still pretty good. The Alchemist is good. That's kind of as close as you're going to get to old school, you know, just raging Iron Maiden on this CD. But then it does have these moments where it's just kind of they're wandering around and not doing a whole lot. And a song like Starblind, which is seven and a half minutes, and it's not all that catchy. And I mean, you know, I've listened to it maybe three times today. And with the exception of El Dorado and The Alchemist, I, I couldn't really, you know, tell you, oh, yeah, anything else was a great song so far. So I'm not 100% sure about it, but... I'm glad to be, you know, checking out and enjoying it, I guess. It's certainly keeping my attention. I I don't know it's the best Iron Maiden CD I've heard, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. 
Well, at least you know they're always going to have some kind of cool artwork, you know? It's you know, like... <laughs> I don't even like how fucking Eddie looks this time with the fucking big fangs. What's the deal with that? Dude, I don't know. I, I kind of dig it. It's pretty brutal. Really? I, I always liked him better when he was kind of more desiccated and mummy looking. Yeah, kinda... it's like futuristic looking, you know? It looks like he's like raping some uh, <laughs> Mars planet. <laughs> well, that's yeah, it, it looks pretty brutal. I'm not a Maiden fan. I, I I get what they've done for metal, but I'm not a fan. But that's a pretty awesome album cover right there. So 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 let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, as a metal band, what influences do you see more as really being meaningful? If like a Maiden or a Black Sabbath, for instance, really isn't. I don't know. Honestly, like the first band that really inspired me to was is Dillinger Escape Plan to be like just think about things a different way, you know. Between the Bear to Me was one of the bands that got me into the weirder stuff as far as more spastic and mathematical and Meshuggah and stuff like that. But for bass, I'm influenced by, you know, Les Claypool. You know, the Flea, of course, he's a great bass player. Charles Mingus, great jazz bass player. So stuff like that. I'm not really inf- I wouldn't say my style is influenced too much by metal, yeah. just what I like. Haitian Flight Song is one of the most amazing bass lines in the history of music. I like uh, all the things you see sharp. Yeah, that's another great one. I mean, I like all kinds of music, everything from jazz, and John likes a bunch of jazz and classical, too, and just everything, but I feel like you just gotta, you just play whatever sounds cool, I guess, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Doug? I mean, as as one of the songwriters in the band, like, what, what do you see as a major influence for you? Uh, Mr. Bungle, definitely. Um, Phallic Carnage, Between the Buried and Me. So more, so more new stuff. There isn't any really like older stuff that you look back to, or um, older jazz is really more so. Okay, I, I can almost single-handedly thank John for getting me into jazz. He showed me Charles Mingus initially as a bass player. He's like, "You're a bass player. Listen to this. This is awesome." And from there, I've expanded to a bunch of different things I like, and a lot of it I heard through through John. So maybe in a way, John's an influence. <laughs> a hairy, hairy influence. <laughs> very angry influence <laughs> all right well i had uh, one of the friends of the show dusty peterson metal artist extraordinaire uh called in and uh left his thoughts on the new iron maiden cd so uh let's take a listen to that hey steve uh this is dusty peterson just wanted to give you my uh sort of impressions of the new iron maiden album the final frontier i'm personally really digging it uh, a lot different even than the last uh, no, three albums which Obviously, uh, most people know the difference between their newer material and their you know, classic trooper days and, and whatnot, but uh, I, I think it's really, really a fantastic album. Uh, between, we're strictly speaking of the, of the newer material, I, I mean, it's definitely their best album since Brave New World, which was a personal favorite of mine. You know, obviously, that was the one where uh, Bruce came back to the band, and I think everyone really kind of liked that album a lot. And even though I, I really like the last two albums, I definitely think there have been a few times where I've skipped over some tracks in the last couple of albums. And so to get an album like this one, we're at, we're so far, I've, I've spent it four or five times today already. And, and I'm, I'm not even remotely uh, skipping anything. It's just, it's just a damn good album. I think the highlights are um, probably El Dorado, which was you know, the single that was on the internet. And that one's really good. Uh, the Alchemist is absolutely fantastic. It's probably the most uh, classic one. Sounds very reminiscent of, Kind of something off of the somewhere in time era, maybe. Isle of Avalon is pretty good. It's got a little bit of a, a long intro to it, but I think it's a really kind of complex song. And finally, I think the one that is probably my favorite on the album is When the Album Blows, which is 
um, based off of the uh, British graphic novel. Absolutely fantastic song. It's just, you know, it's this typical Steve Harris epic. It seems he has to have one every album. You got, you know, Dance of Death and Fear of the Dark, those kind of songs. That's When the Wild Wind Blows is, is that song on this album. And I think it's the best out of all of them. It's just really awesome. So that's my thing. I definitely think that if you basically go through the new Iron Maiden catalog and, and just hoping for the next trooper, you're probably going to be left disappointed. But uh, if you have liked everything since Straight in the World, uh, you'll definitely like it. So definitely check it out. And see you later. All right. Thanks, Dusty. We appreciate you calling in, man. So it's kind of funny, the the song that he uh, spoke about, When the Wild Wind Blows, I, I, that one didn't even kind of stick in my brain for the first couple of listens, so I'm going to have to give that another shot. It literally blows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but we shall see. All right, man, so are you ready for a little, uh, a little bit of filthy jokes? I'm so ready. Let's do it. All right, so I went to the doctor's office the other day, and... I got a new doctor, and I found out my new doctor is female, and she's absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. I was a little embarrassed to be going to a female doctor, but she said, you know, don't worry. I'm a professional. I've seen it all before. Just tell me what's wrong, and I'll help you in any way I can. She's a doctor, sure, but while I'm seeing this beautiful woman, so I said, really? She goes, yeah, I'm a professional. Whatever it takes, let me know. I'll help you out. Okay, fine. I think my penis may taste funny. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, hey, Gordon? Yeah? Hey, what's the hardest part about eating vegetables? What? Putting them back in the wheelchair, dude. No! <laughs> Don't put them back! <laughs> yeah, you just leave them on the floor and let someone else take care of them. <laughs> You've done your bit. What's white and crawls up your leg? His penis. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Ben's perverted rice. I feel like Willie Nelson. What was that delayed laugh? Needs a little something. So, what do you get when you fuck Willie Nelson? What? Farm aids. <laughs> I like when you read right out of the joke. I know. Book. This page is gold. It's all about Willie Nelson. Keep going, keep going. All right, all right. There's a few of them in here, though. I know, I know one Willie Nelson that my dad told me. Oh, yeah, let's hear this. Okay, so the, this woman goes to a tattoo parlor. And she, she can't decide whether to get a James? tattoo of Burt Reynolds. Who, who's the other the other person? Uh, Johnny Depp. That's why not. Brad Pitt. Okay, so so the woman goes. She can't decide whether to get Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt tattooed on her inner thigh. So she decides to do both. So she goes in and she gets them tattooed. But um, you know she kind of goes bargain basement, and so the tattoos don't look all that great. So, you know, she says, she tells the tattoo guy, well, I'm not going to fucking pay for these tattoos. That does not look like Brad Pitt. And that does not look like Johnny Depp. And the guy says, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we call somebody in off the street to take a look and we'll see what he says. If he can recognize the tattoos, then you have to pay me. The woman says, okay, that sounds fair enough. So they call in a guy off the street. Says, excuse me, sir, I need you to identify a couple of tattoos. So, okay. So uh, she lifts up her skirt, and he, he takes a look for a while, and he kind of thinks and scratches his chin and says, well, I think the one on the left is Johnny Depp. And I'm not 100% sure, but I think the one on the right is Brad Pitt. But the one in the middle is definitely Willie Nelson. <laughs> well, I'm sure the one in the middle of the beard and the bad breath is definitely Willie Nelson. <laughs> That's the way you heard it? Yeah. I didn't That's hear that. That's my dad told it. Yeah. There's another one here I think is kind of funny. 
What's the worst thing Willie Nelson can say while giving you a hand job? <laughs> what? <laughs> By the way, I'm not really a Willie Nelson. <laughs> That is fantastic. All right. We, we got to end on that note, I think. That was good. All right, man. So thank yous. This week, uh, I'd like to thank Jake West for the interview. I'd like yeah. to thank Devin McGinn and Henry Sane also from Last Lovecraft for the interview. I'd like to thank all of the filmmakers of the Bone Bat Film Fest for creating these great works of art that we can play at this festival. That's badass. And finally, I would like to thank Barefoot Barnacle. Fucking thank you guys so much for all the support over the years and, again, for playing the festival. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. It's a pleasure, man. Yep. And thank Bone Bat. <laughs> again. Thank thanks. you, Gord. Thank Two you. thanks. Hey, thank you. <laughs> also, I'd like to thank Skiznot for the awesome voicemail and Dusty Peterson as well for calling in uh, on the new Maiden. So, our usual bullshit. There's uh, new content on Bonehand.com every week. You can follow me on Twitter at Bonehand, or you can also follow the show at BoneBat on Twitter. Our show phone number is 425-296-6557, and you can email us here at steve at Bonehand.com if you have insults, suggestions, feedback, whatever you want, we will play it on the show. Or awesome voicemail. And you can find my work, if you can call it that, at MightyWombat.com. Uh, when I cho- choose to twit something on Twitter, you can follow me at Mighty underscore Wombat. Uh, do a new cartoon once a week on Mighty Wombat, so check it out. All right. Yeah. As always, if you like what we do, we appreciate reviews on iTunes, votes on Podcast Alley, or best of all, tell a friend. The Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. It's only two weeks away, folks, so get your tickets now. 28 bucks at this point will get you a full fucking evening of entertainment. We've got two features lined up, shorts galore, a ton of prizes, and Barefoot Barnacle. So, guys, where can you buy your CD? Well, for starters, you can buy it at the Bone Bat Film Festival. Fantastic. It's about two weeks away on September 2nd. Get your tickets now for $28. But after that, you know, you can basically buy it at any of our shows, or you can go to our old MySpace page that hasn't been updated in a long time. Cool. So for our listeners all across the nation, they can buy it from the website once it's out? Oh, yes. And our website that will be up, which will be barefoot. And iTunes, they can download it. Oh, cool. Fantastic. So, I mean, they don't have to get the physical disc, but, you know. Physical. Physical. (laughs) I was hoping you guys would perform a little something, something. All right, folks. Well, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you can make it to the Bone Bat Film Festival. And as always, thank you for spending a little time with us. The closing tune tonight will be Caddy Wampus. Boobs. It'll be boobs. This is Steve. This is Gord. John. This is John. This is Doug. And this is Jorge. This is Alex. Have a good one. We got great ones.
how does this work, Steve? Do you hit a button and then you start recording the magic? Or oh, yeah, I'm already me? recording actually right now. Do I sound okay? I can hear you well, actually. Okay, good. Yeah, you sound, you sound like you're in the next room. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so... Henry sounds terrible, but you sound <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. Just my voice. I, I don't think that's a phone issue. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Darn it, you're right, Nicole. It's just fucked me for life. Dude, you're, on the, you're being recorded. Oh, we're we're a uh, fully licensed and disclaimered podcast, so you feel free to be as colorful with your language as you please. Well, shit. There I you go, Henry. Color blue. Okay. Fucking blue is what actually we prefer, <laughs> yeah. but fucking tom whore dog blue. God, wow. I, lo- I, lo- I love that color. Bravo. <laughs> it's really good. I think I did see that it's on the side of a crayon once. 